Welcome to the TCO Method, the only show focused on helping you massively increase your net operating income. I am Andy McQuaid, and thank you so much for tuning in to this Tuesday edition of the show. I apologize for last week. Not only was my Tuesday episode out on Wednesday, but the Thursday episode never happened. So, oops, got busy. Is what it is. We're going to move on. Today I want to talk about something that actually sucked up a lot of my time over the last couple days. And it's inventory control. So this is going to be less valid and less important for those of you who are smaller self-run operators where you don't really have inventory. But for anybody with an apartment building or complex that has a shop, a maintenance shop, a maintenance storage site, whether it's a basement, a garage, a little shed that you buy from Home Depot as a kit and set up on the property somewhere. It is an important thing for you to make sure that you have things in place to control your inventory. There's a few reasons. One is you need inventory controls to make sure your guys or gals, your maintenance employees, maybe even subcontractors, if you provide materials, are able to get material from that shop without having to go buy it. Windshield time is a huge sink in efficiency costs you more money than you probably realize. And the unfortunate reality is that a vast majority of property managers and owners that are out there have a shop, think that it's stocked properly, and that there's controls in place to keep people from spending windshield time to get product that doesn't happen to be there that they need. The other issue is that they don't have controls in place to make sure that the product that's being taken is being recorded to specific units in the property and specific jobs. It's pretty easy to tell when you have a bunch of flappers for toilets. When they get used, it's going to be used to fix a leak right? It's going to cost you money. What's not easy to tell is when you have things that can be used in any number of ways in any number of different places, you have no way to categorize that so you can keep track of your expenses. It's also really not good when capital expenditures are being tapped and using materials out of the maintenance shop because they should be two totally separate segregated line items because they're two totally separate different types of expenditures. One's budgeted and one's not, for one. Right? You can have a CapEx budget, but it's not an NOI number. It's an after NOI, below NOI expense. So it works a little bit differently in how you do your accounting and your books, and it should be segregated. But you need to make sure that you have an expectation, that you have a process on your site 
if you're going to have inventory and it's going to work for you to the best of its ability to help you avoid costs and make more net operating income, it needs to be operated in a way that reflects that. Now, what do I mean by it needs to be operated in a way that reflects it? Number one, you need to make sure that your inventory is the right product. You don't want to have a bunch of stuff sitting down there tying up dollars in your budget, right? Because it's cash flow. You don't want to have a bunch of money tied up that isn't going to get used. There's no point to having it if it doesn't serve a purpose, if it's just taking up space. There's a few different things you need to look at when you're considering how you're managing inventory. First and foremost, you really need to understand what the product is. Have one product for multiple different uses. Standardize, right? Anybody who's got older electrical, pre-Decora electrical on a property. You've got switches, two-way switches, three-way switches. You've got outlets. You've got outlet covers. You've got a different one for GFI that is Decora. You've got maybe USB outlets that are also Decora. You've got, you know, maybe double light switches, top, you know, over, over, under top light switches, single outlets, 20 amp outlets for air conditioners. If they're running on 240, you have all these different things. And while having, you know, those five or six items isn't necessarily a big deal, when you start having to inventory all of the wall plates for all of those items, right? You've got one with a switch and two sockets. You've got another one that has two switches and a socket. You've got a bunch that are like three switches, four switches. You have all these different options that you have to account for, as opposed to just having a rectangular hole that you can put a filler plate in to make it a blank, that you can put switches next to outlets, next to USB chargers, next to whatever, in any way, shape, or form that you want to do it, any configuration, and you don't need anything extra. So having things in inventory is great, but only if they're the right things. How much free capital, how much money are you tying up by having stuff that you don't use or don't use frequently enough to justify keeping. In my opinion, if it's on the property somewhere, if you're really prepared for the lowest common denominator of tenant, and we're talking commercial multifamily right now or, or just regular multifamily or single family rentals or whatever it may be, you want to have it in inventory because eventually somebody's going to break it. So you need to Number one, have standards, have specifications. If you're doing a value add on a property, you should be moving to simpler, more streamlined standards that are readily available, resilient, so they last and they take abuse and wear and tear, and so that they are readily available for multiple different vendors and they all look enough alike where your tenant isn't going to be like, oh, why do I have four different light fixtures in my unit and all four of them are different? Or 
two bathrooms and the sink faucets are different. Or a bathroom faucet that doesn't match the shower tub faucet, right? Some properties, that's not going to matter. Other properties, tenants are going to be like, what is this? So, standards matter. Your standards should be resilient. They should also be simple. Complexity is the enemy of execution. Not just in starting the process and making it happen successfully, but maintaining it over time. Remove opportunities for failure. So we're talking about inventory management. The first thing you need to do is understand what you're going to use and why. If you're going to have flooring in your inventory for repairs, number one, hopefully it's a type of flooring that takes repairs very well that you can actually fix if it's required. Sheet vinyl is not that. You're not cutting out a piece of sheet vinyl in the middle of a room and replacing it without replacing the entire piece of sheet vinyl. We've already talked about why sheet vinyl in and of itself is a terrible idea. But people still use it. It's still sold. I have no idea why, but they do. You want standards. You want simplification. For two reasons. One is you're removing a point of failure. The second one is you can leverage your buying power more. You're reducing the number of SKUs, but maybe you're increasing the quantity of one SKU. Therefore, you can buy in bulk. Potential savings. Not always, but potentially. The other thing is that you go from having to inventory like, perfect example is the electrical thing. You go from having to inventory 15 or 16 different configurations of wall plates to four with a blank filler plate accessory. You have one rectangle plate that's one gang wide. You have a two gang wide, a three gang wide, and a four gang wide with a little filler plate to make a blank that goes on the inside. And you go from inventorying 16 SKUs to inventorying now five. Simplification. Do they cost more? Yes. How often are you really going to replace them? During a value add? During a refresh or when they're damaged? Simplify, simplify, simplify. That's the most extreme example. But you can really get into the cob job that a lot of these properties have seen over the decades. Five different thermostats, 17 different brands of smoke detector and different configurations that take different wall plates. Dozens of different light fixtures, different vanity fixtures, different bath fans. You can get into all sorts of craziness when it comes to bath fixtures and plumbing. Plumbing repair. Oh, this one's a Pro Press. This one is PEX Barb. This one's Shark Bite. This one's Copper. This one's PEX. This one's CPVC. This one's ABS. There's tons of different options out there. You need to have a standard. Yes, you need to be able to account for those things, but just because it's there doesn't mean it's right. And then you need to make sure that your staff is trained to use it. But again, if you convert to one system and you have adapters that will allow you to shift from type A to type whatever you decide on, all of a sudden, your inventory, again, becomes simpler. So standards are the first part of any good inventory management process. Anything that's on the shelves 
in storage for maintenance needs to be current. Just because it's there doesn't mean you need to keep using it. If you replace all the thermostats on a property except for like five, do you need to have the old type of thermostat anymore? Or should you have the new one so that when one of those old ones dives, you have a replacement that's new? Same thing with the existing ones. If, a, if for some reason a brand new thermostat dies, replace it with the type that's everywhere else. Universal. You can buy in bulk. You can stock it. Cash flow wise, having simplified SKUs means that you don't need as many. Number one, that frees up cash flow to do other things. That's opportunity cost. It should have a track record, the performance record. So you're dealing with some risk management stuff there. You know the thing is good. The quality is okay. You can kind of predict what the failure rate's going to be after a while, after you purchase the property. So you can make sure that you're aware of upcoming expenditures that might need to be addressed. It's a transparency thing. But you only need to inventory what it's going to take for the period of time you order. So you need an order cycle. If you know that you're going to use 15 of widget A in a month, and those products have a two-week lead time, to me, that tells me that every six weeks, I'm using like, a little over 20 of those things. If I place one order a month, my on-shelf quantity that I want to refill to is going to be like 21 or 22 pieces because it's going to lot for the downtime between placing the order on day 30 and when it arrives a week or two later. I'm not running out because what happens when I run out? I run to the store. I ordered online. I send a guy to the store. I'm losing time creating more repeat instances where we have to go back into a unit to complete a job. My time to repair is extending. My operating costs and overhead are extending for that maintenance call, that repair. And things are just going sideways. Small costs balloon quickly when they start to add up, when you really start to look at it. So back to an inventory system. If you have an inventory system and the accounting for it is being done correctly and you have a system in place to assign parts and pieces to specific work orders to justify the cost, you're going to do two things. One is you're going to build data. You're going to build transparency to what's being used, when, why, and how, so you can maybe find an alternate later that will reduce those calls, right? Data is your friend. Gather as much as you can. Because you never know where useful data is going to come from and how much of an impact on your bottom line that's going to have. Number two, with that data, you can establish ordering cadences. You can automate some stuff. I'm not saying you need an inventory management system like a store has. Like, that would be cool if it was cheap to manage and didn't take a ton of labor. But generally speaking, that's not realistic. You want to make sure that you've got the right mix 
that's going to minimize your windshield time, minimize your labor time, minimize the hands in the cookie jar, minimize the number of SKUs so you're freeing up cash flow, but you're also accounting for when things are failing so you can predict it. There's some stuff that's seasonal. Some of it's based on leasing season, some of it's based on actual weather. So you can reduce the quantities you have on, on hand in the summertime and raise them back up in the fall before you spike, or vice versa. That way you're not tying up too much cash flow from your budget to operate your maintenance. The worst thing you can do is to commingle your maintenance and your capital expenditures. Capital is usually unplanned, right, emergency stuff that's too expensive for maintenance to include in their budget, or it's pre-planned stuff like rehabs, like turns, like renos, like roof replacements, that type of stuff where hopefully you've done enough preventive maintenance where there's nothing deferred and you're not tripling your price of doing the repair, but you shouldn't be taking stuff out of the maintenance shop to address your capex unless your system has a way to account for that and break it off into a separate line item because it is a separate type of expenditure with a separate write-off schedule on your property when you do your taxes. That's important for two reasons. One is if you're commingling, you don't have a real, you don't really know, number one, what your maintenance is costing, number two, what your capex is costing because you're taking stuff from one budget line item and putting it in another. If you're itemizing it by door, by unit, by building, by property, by block, however it is you have it broken down in your systems, you're introducing garbage that will produce garbage data. Garbage in, garbage out. You need to make sure that you're collecting the right information for what you're doing and make sure it's going to the right line item. It's not the end of the world if it's not, but your data is going to be bad. Because if you have anything automated, you have anything set up on a schedule, you know you need 15 of these to last you a month, but capital comes in and they take four of them or five of them, you run out in three weeks and then you're getting in a car and driving to the store to buy it one at a time until your next bulk maintenance order comes if you're ordering every 30 days. It's not unusual to see that because of the exorbitant shipping fees that are buried into certain vendors' relationships with multifamily housing providers. These guys all either bake delivery fees into the cost of the products when you order them, or you have to get to a certain threshold from a volume standpoint and buy enough to get the free delivery. What kills me is when I see people just ordering stuff they don't need in mass quantities because they don't want to deal with it. There's always going to be that maintenance manager, that shop tech that wants to place the order, that wants to just buy a bunch of stuff so he's got enough on the shelf to last him for a whole year. Budgets and cash flow and, and opportunity cost and, and putting capital to work in other places, be damned, that's not his problem. He wants to do as little work as possible, so he just wants to get everything done. That's where the automation comes in and helps, but you need controls in place. So I'm talking about this because I spent a couple days last week fixing other people's messes. I walked into a shop on a property that I helped 
create the standards, I set the spec, I eliminated a ton of SKUs, streamlined the ordering process, streamlined the quantities that were there, taught everybody how to do it, and then somewhere some new people were hired and the processes didn't carry forward. So when I was walking and doing an audit, all of a sudden I get into the shop and there's stuff everywhere, everywhere. Boxes ripped open, stuff taken out, brand new faucets, like four of them. Opened up, parts and pieces they needed to repair old faucets, yanked out of them. Which I don't even know how that works because most of the faucets on the property aren't even this new faucet. And now you've got four faucet bodies, kitchen faucet bodies, that are relatively expensive because they're deltas. And you can't use any of the four of them because if you need to replace a faucet, all the parts aren't there. So these maintenance guys went and took a $20 problem and made it into a $100 problem five times over. Instead of just taking the entire fixture that they had in stock and just taking the extra five minutes to instead of replace a valve stem, replace the whole faucet. I can't even imagine what the actual long-term impact of that is going to be. Because you're going from taking an old thing with something that failed that probably has other old things that will fail soon. And instead of just eliminating all the points of failure and replacing it outright, they replaced a piece of it. While I understand somewhat that there could be like budget concerns normally because there were no stems in, in inventory, instead of ordering those stems, they just threw $500 worth of faucets in the garbage, essentially. And those are collecting dust. I saw the same thing with the tub rebuild kits. Cutting them open and taking a knob, taking a diverter valve, taking a valve stem. Instead of taking the whole kit and just refreshing that unit and spending the extra 10 minutes it would take to replace all three instead of just one. You're already turning off the water. You're already opening up the wall. You're already taking the, the shiny parts off to access the stuff that needs to be fixed. Is it really a stretch to spend the extra labor to the extra 15 minutes to future-proof problems down the road by just replacing all three of them? You're already in there. You're already doing the labor. The water's already off. But no, instead we cut the thing open and we just leave a bunch of parts in there and we never look at it again. And eventually we throw it away. This is why people have problems with having inventory on ground in some of these apartments. That's why there's owners out there who don't like having inventory. They've Number one, they've never done the math to see how much the downtime and windshield time and order time and lack of pre-planned purchasing costs them just on the material side, not even on the labor side. The lack of standards costs a ton of money on the materials side. The lack of planning and operational standards being in place and expectations being set and trust but verify, right? Train your people. Verify the training is working. If you're going to change a process, you cannot allow them to fall back into old habits. Process only pays for itself and only helps your business flourish if you follow it. So having the standards is super important. Using them 
way more important. You can have all the standards you want. You can have a big standard party out in the parking lot and have everybody come and have hot dogs and hamburgers and have a great, woohoo, we got all these standards. You train them all once and then you never check to make sure those standards are being used and those operational things are being put in place. Or you check for a while and then you get busy and you start working in your business instead of on your business. And all the guys just do whatever they want after a while again and go back into their all their old habits of just cutting stuff open, taking what they need and throwing the rest on the ground or putting it on a shelf somewhere in a pile to collect dust for 25 years. Well, that all costs you money. Your inventory should look like the inventory at a store when you walk in. And no, not like a Home Depot where there's piles of stuff everywhere and the aisles are all clogged and you can never find anybody. No, you should be able to walk in and look at a shelf have everything in order, grouped by type, find where the shelf is labeled, and there should be parts there. And it should be just as many parts as you need to get you by until your next order cycle. That's like inventory management 101. Your parts should be consistent. Your parts should be universal. You should have one answer for every problem. If you have old electrical on the property, with the 22 different wall plates or whatever I was talking about, you should have the Decora stuff on hand, and only the Decora stuff on hand. If something goes wrong, you just replace it. Yes, it doesn't match for your tenant that's there now. They melted it. That's their problem. When the time comes to turn that unit, you've already got one done. That'll save you a little bit of time. Is it worth breaking the bank over? No. But little things like that add up. Minutes add up to hours, add up to weeks, add up to months. And the more places you build efficiency, the faster your money is going to scale. The downside is the more places you lack efficiency and the less attention you pay, the more it's going to cost you. There's risk management things, there's compliance things, there's just cash flow things. There's a lot of parts that go into managing that. And you will get the results that your lowest common denominator employee puts into it. Okay. The lowest common denominator employee, Mr. Owner, doesn't give a shit about your budget, how much money they're costing you, or how much harder they're making somebody else's job down the road. Their concern, unless you structure their incentives and their payroll around it, is putting band-aids on whatever they're supposed to do in the fastest, cheapest way possible so it's on time, in budget, and paying attention to the metrics you assign. Back to the race to the bottom, you need to change the incentives and change the metrics on how you pay your people if you bonus them not based off of the cheapest fix possible, not based off the race to the bottom. You need to base it off of the things that are important to maintain the standards you put in place. That means that order quantities, monthly ordering, stocking things, you need a system to manage all that. You need to make sure that you're not spending more time doing things, then those things are worth to the business in profit. 
I can guarantee you that your guys, driving to Lowe's and Home Depot and local hardware stores and local lumberyards a couple times a week, is going to cost you more money than having inventory in your shop that you need when you need it. Now, if you have theft problems, if you have honesty problems, if you have accounting and bookkeeping problems, if you have stuff disappearing, those are internal issues that need to be fixed as well. But hopefully, while we're talking about creating these systems, you're creating a level of transparency in your bookkeeping that will flag those things over time. You will find dishonest people because numbers won't make sense. Hey, we had a leaky toilet in this unit. According to the books and according to our inventory, that leaky toilet took a flapper and a fill valve, which is fine. But why did it take a light fixture, two smoke detectors, three pieces of flooring, 22 electrical sockets, and a whole bunch of wall plates? It wasn't a turn. It was a leaky toilet. So why don't you tell me where the rest of that stuff went? Uh, data builds transparency. Transparency builds honesty. There is trusting your people, and then there is trust but verify. Take points of failure out of the system. If people know that every single item is being babysat and watched, they are much less likely to give in to temptation of doing something they shouldn't. You simplify things so that nobody accidentally grabs a plain old smoke detector and puts it where a CO is required. Because if there's a fire or there's an accident and somebody dies, you have the wrong thing there. That's going to be on you. That's not going to be on the tenant. It's not going to be on the tenant's wife, son, daughter, kid. Missing batteries isn't going to be on the tenant if somebody dies in the unit. It's going to be on the landlord. Whether or not it's required by law, by code, whatever, public opinion is going to go against you. Public opinion gets really expensive really fast, especially when lawyers see deep pockets and they see the opportunity for them to get paid. We're a very litigious society now, especially with the negative press that landlords property managers, property owners, real estate investors have been getting for the last five or 10 years. Don't leave the door open. Cost avoidance, risk management, compliance, all these things need to be taken into account when you're building your specifications, when you're building your inventory list, when you're building your standards and your operational practices. There's a lot of points of failure that can happen. Your job is to eliminate as many of them as possible. Train your people. Trust but verify build processes, hold them accountable, incentivize them with money to do the job better. Yes, it means you're going to have to, I don't know, learn something new. Sorry, HR professionals. You're going to have to adapt and figure out how to pay people outside of the industry norms if you want to drive this performance. I understand that that's a hard thing for HR to do because HR has been doing basically the same thing since the dawn of time. Innovation is not exactly their strong suit. Holding people accountable probably really isn't their strong suit anymore either, let's be honest. So it comes down to incentivizing people to hold themselves accountable. Your HR partners, whoever they happen to be, love them, hate them, 
However you look at it, the reality is when you look at Fortune 500 company leadership, when you look at successful startups, when you look at people who are moving the needle and consistently performing, that move up to the C-suite, that move up to be CEO, COO, move up to be the people who steer the company's direction. How many of those people came from HR? I'll wait. You think of any? Even HR companies don't have people from HR leading the HR company. So maybe we should stop listening to what's been done and find ways to do it to drive results. Saying something needs to be done a certain way is great. But only if it works. Only if it can deliver what you're looking for it to deliver. So when you're talking inventory management, when you're talking standards and processes, when you're talking maintenance, you should be looking at what you can eliminate that costs you money. You should be looking at maxing out your cash flow. You should be looking at making it as simple and hands-off as possible to deliver the best results. That means automation, tracking, automatic assignments. Having a system built in when they go to a maintenance job, they can just check off the four or five items that they have on their little iPad, iPhone, whatever, right? Automate everything. We talked about it a couple episodes ago. They can just check it all off the list and it automatically books it to the correct expense lines and it automatically deducts it from the tallies in the automated ordering system for your maintenance. Now, everybody's not going to have that system. Everybody's not going to have the ability to do that. But there becomes a point when if you want to scale, you need that type of control in place. You need to have that type of transparency because you need to be able to track trends. You need to be able to see what's going on. You need to be able to understand your business in a granular way when you need to. But you also need to be able to look at it from 10,000 feet. So you can say, we're doing pretty damn good. Or, wow, why did we just hemorrhage $10 million in the last year? What happened? Nine times out of 10, expecting the least will get you the least. If you expect more and hold people accountable, you'll get that level of performance. I understand that labor standards have changed. I understand people don't want to go to work. I understand that blue-collar jobs are hard to fill. I get it all. So, again, complexity is the enemy of execution. Make it as stupid simple as possible so that the low-hanging fruit gets plucked regularly because that's where you're going to spend the most money. It's, the pyramid is broader at the bottom than it is at the top, right? There's more things that can go wrong and more ways you're going to lose money at scale at the bottom of the pyramid than at the top. Fix and incentivize the bottom and the money will flow to the top. And that's the whole reason I picked the pyramid for my company logo. There's no easy way. You have to make a decision. You have to do something. Standardizing the process, holding people accountable, measuring success, all those things are super, super important if you're ever going to succeed in scale. If you're okay with just lighting money on fire and performing in a mediocre fashion, like 50% of the country does every day, cool, good for you. 
That's not how I do business. That's not how my customers do business. There's a reason why they bring me in because I'm, if I'm not one of the best in the industry, um, I'm at least in the top third, I hope. Maybe, I don't know. Send me an email, podcasttcomethod.com. Am I a moron? Am I just talking out my ass? Do I not know what I'm talking about? I could be. I don't think so, but maybe. My own personal experience tells me otherwise. I'm out of time. Please like, subscribe, hit the bell on YouTube. Please, if you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe, like it, leave a review, leave a comment if you can on the episode, on the show. doesn't really matter. That's really the only way that podcasts and YouTube videos make it. If you don't subscribe, if you don't comment, if you don't like the videos, they don't go anywhere. You're not helping anybody. Like if this is adding value to you, your contribution, you can add value by taking a couple minutes to give some feedback. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.